Tandem Nomads, episode 278. I believe that the only thing you have to do to thrive, be happy, and grow your business is to be extremely true to yourself in everything you do. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and resources to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life, as well as through any transition and lifestyle you want. This is your host, Emel Dregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. Today's topic is a topic that's very close and near to my heart, which is all about how to be authentic and true to yourself in your business, but also design a business that aligned not only with your lifestyle, but also with who you are. And this episode is coming out during the time where I'm having this series called the Slow Challenge, which is all about creating the right strategies that are adapted to your own lifestyle, your own choices, and your own rhythm. And while I was in this journey of sharing the slow challenge, I discovered this amazing author and also business coach that is going to share with you also her great insights, Brigitte. So Brigitte, I'm happy to have you here. And are you ready for this ride? Yes, I am. And thank you so much for having me. My true pleasure. Now, my nation, I'm just going to tell you a few words about Brigitte, and I hope that I won't destroy her last name, Brigitte Van Tavel. <laughs> is that correct? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. perfect. So Brigitte is a writer and a master coach for women entrepreneurs. In the past two decades, she helped thousands of women get clear on their true dream and make it real. Her clients have launched businesses globally, published their first books, doubled their incomes, and realized their most important goals and desires. She's the author of seven books, amongst them The Happy Hermit, How to Thrive as an Introvert Entrepreneur and the art of divine selfishness transform your life your business and the world by putting you first i already love these titles and <laughs> the book that i read from you is called the happy hermit how to thrive as an introvert entrepreneur so yeah. we're going to talk about that because i know that there's a lot of listeners who might feel like they belong to the group of introverts. I don't necessarily want to be out there and, and meet with a lot of people all the time. And we'll talk about what it actually means to be an introvert. But Nomad Nation, I want you to pay attention to a lot of things we're going to talk about today, because I believe that a lot of that, what Bridget has to bring here in the conversation we're going to have is about how to align your business with who you are, no matter if you're an introvert or not. And I think there's so many things that in her book are really useful to anyone, no matter in which spectrum of the hermit we are. <laughs> and we're, we're going to talk about why you chose the term hermit, actually, Bridget. Give us a little bit of a background of your story and how did you get to call yourself the happy hermit? Um, yes. Well, let me start by saying that I am someone who is extremely introverted. And just to clarify, that does not mean that I'm shy, because that's often what people think, mm. but it's not. But the main characteristic of an introvert and the main difference between introverts and extroverts is that when you are introverted, you get your energy from being alone. Mm. And when you are an extrovert, you get your energy by 
interacting with others and being around other people. And of course, we are all somewhere on that spectrum because everyone needs social interaction and everyone also needs time alone and by themselves. And the only question is how much time do you need to be on your own and how much time do you need to interact with others in order to feel completely happy and fulfilled. And for me, I need a lot of alone time, a lot. And I remember that I once said to my partner, I said, yeah, I think I need about 75% alone time. And he said, are you sure? I think it's more like 90. (laughs) 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 And I think he's right. And so, you know, that's, that's always just been a part of me. That's who I am. That's how I'm wired. It was always a bit of an issue because, you know, when you grow up, you go to school every day, you're surrounded by others all day long. And then university, you're surrounded by others all day long. And then you get a job and you're surrounded by people all the time. So I learned to navigate that by trying to create as much space for myself as I could literally, physically, and also energetically. And by being very, very, very mindful of what I said yes and what I said no to. That is something I heard you talk about in one of your podcasts recently. (laughs) So, you know, by the time I started my business, I pretty much had my alone time dialed in in my personal life. But when it came to my work life, the balance was just totally lost. So the moment I started my business, I thought, yes, finally, I can be on my own as often as I want. But you know, I work as a coach. And the only thing I sold for the first couple of years in my business was private coaching. So the only way to make money and the only way for me to work with my clients was in private coaching sessions. And at a certain moment, I realized that I was either making enough money and working with enough clients to make all the money that I needed, but then I didn't have enough alone time. And then every time when I noticed that I didn't have enough alone time, I just hit the brakes on clients. You know, I just didn't take on any new clients until I felt that the balance was back again and I felt happy again. But then I didn't have enough clients and I didn't have enough money. So there was always some kind of stress. I either felt stress because I didn't have enough money or I felt stress because I didn't have enough alone time. (laughs) So that went on for a couple of years until I, you know, learned some practical things like working with groups and creating online programs. But still, I was always, I never really had enough time on my own. And then fast forward to 2012, when I started to work globally, because before that, I worked in the Netherlands only. And, um, and so I started basically a new business in 2012 for new audience, started working in English globally and uh, new programs, everything, everything was new. And I hired a new business coach and I was just determined to pay close attention to create all the alone time I needed. So every time I spoke with my coach and we were talking about, you know, my next plans and action steps for the the upcoming weeks. Every time I felt that pressure of, 
oh my God, I don't have enough alone time. Then I said to her, just to make things easy, I said to her, wait a minute, my inner hermit (laughs) is not happy. My inner hermit is just not happy. And then she'd say, okay, well, let's back up and see what needs to change. So that's really why I started to call myself a hermit, because it was just an easy way to let her know what we needed to pay attention to. And then at the end of the year, in November, my business was doing really well. And we were talking about my plans for 2013, the next year. And as we were going over those plans, I realized that it felt too busy and my schedule felt too full again, also in that moment and especially for the next year with my new plans. So before we moved on by looking further at those plans, I said to her, okay, hold on. My inner hermit is not happy (laughs) and I'm done with it. I'm done being a crappy hermit and I'm going to be a happy hermit now. And I just blurted that out. And so that's really how, long answer, but that's really how I started to call myself a hermit and how I came up with the happy hermit. It's not something that I thought about. It just came through me in that moment. Love it so much. Thanks for sharing that. This is amazing. And you've written so many books and so many resources about that. So we'll definitely share some of these resources. You actually have offered us a generously one of your ebooks, Nomad Nation. Mm-hmm. So I will put in the show notes of this episode, go to tandemnomads.com slash 278, where with this ebooks, it's all about how to put yourself first. So that's yes. really important. At the end of the day, be it a hermit or not, it's about knowing yourself and putting yourself first. And yes. one of the things that I'm not going to ask the question now, but out of accountability, I'll put it out there because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that the interview is going to answer this. One of the first instincts that I would have had had would be, okay, what is the difference between knowing what you want versus finding excuses to not do the work, right? And I'm sure Mm -hmm. you see what I'm talking about, aren't you? Yes, of course. (laughs) So let's let's keep that up in the air and see if you can circle back to it and Mm -hmm. go back to a little bit to the steps, because I think there's so much more we need to understand to be able to fully grasp the answer to this uh, boundary, right? Between knowing yourself and being true to yourself versus not wanting to do the work, right? So let's start with where it all started. Like, what are the things you practically did to become a happy hermit and still have a successful business while really respecting the alone time you needed and not getting overwhelmed? Yes. Well, the practical things, first of all, let me share what it looks like. How much alone time do I have and how much interaction do I have? Uh, What that means for my business is that I make a maximum of four appointments per week, and that includes everything. So like this podcast interview with you, that's one appointment. If I speak to my bookkeeper, that's one appointment. If I speak to a client, that's one appointment. So four appointments per week maximum for three weeks per month. And every fourth week is my hermit week and I don't make any appointments in that week. So that's what it looks like. And how I practically 
made that happen. And I have to say the practical aspect is the least important aspect Mm -hmm. of creating a business that is completely the perfect fit for you. And also for people who are listening and think, yeah, well, four appointments, that's still too much for me. Or the, oh no, that's way too little for me. You know, it's not about this. This is what's ideal for me. It's not about what's ideal for me. It's about what's ideal for you. So just pay attention to what you feel inside of yourself when you listen to me, what it inspires you to come up with or what it, you know, what it ignites in you. Mm -hmm. And what I practically did was, well, I already um, mentioned that I used to only sell uh, private coaching and I still offer private coaching. However, I only work with a handful of clients at the same time. And not only, by the way, because otherwise my schedule is filled up too quickly, but also because I want to give people all of me and I'm very uh, connected and involved with all of my clients. I can only do that for so many people at the same time. And then I created group coaching programs and I created online programs and masterclasses. So that's practically speaking, that is a very easy way to work with people, to deliver value, to deliver your knowledge and and also work with people in ways that aren't too demanding on your time as in, you know, making appointments. It's not about the time, it's really about the direct interaction. Those are the practical changes that I made. And I also raised the prices for my private coaching. I would have done that anyway, because I raise my prices regularly, but that is something that I did as well. So that even though I worked with less private clients at the same time, the amount of money I made was still the same. Love it. So one of the questions, and again, this is a question that I think will lead to opening up some other areas, but I'll still put it now, is Mm -hmm. while you explain really clearly how you manage to work less and still make more money, there's one part as a marketer, I would say, so how did you manage to attract those clients while still respecting your own rhythm? Because it can feel like a lot of work to do all what's necessarily to attract those clients. Well, first of all, I believe that it's not about the amount of marketing that you do. Mm -hmm. It's all about your energy. And when you are energetically open for clients and business, that is the number one thing. And I will explain what I mean by being energetically open, because I can imagine that many people won't know what I mean by that. What I mean is this, what I often see with my own clients is that they say to me, oh, I want more clients. I want to attract more clients. Almost all of my clients say that. And what I always check is, are you sure? Are you sure? And then at first they say yes. And in 90% of the time, I can feel that the real answer is, oh, no, I'm not sure. And then when we talk about it, then they see some downsides to attracting more clients. And they weren't aware of that before. They really thought they wanted more clients until I asked them, are you sure? And do you see a downside to getting more clients? And then 
they often say things like, ooh, now that you mention it, I'm not sure if I will still have enough time for mm-hmm. everything I want to do. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm scared that I will be too busy. Maybe it will be a hassle. Maybe I won't be able to handle the workload. Maybe it will be too much. Or there can be other reasons perhaps why on the one hand you want more clients and on the other hand you don't. And again, this usually happens unconsciously. So mm-hmm. if everyone is listening now who thinks I want more clients, ask yourself and be really honest, do you feel if only a little bit that there might also be a downside to getting more clients? And if you feel, oh, yeah, there might be, then explore it. Because if you don't explore it, if you want something and at the same time you don't want it, even if that is happening unconsciously, you energetically close yourself. You close yourself off because you're saying, yes, I want this. And no, I don't want this at the same time. So what's happening? Nothing. And that's what I call being energetically closed off to receive Mm -hmm. what you want. So the first thing to check if you want more clients is if you really want that and to release and shift any and all doubts or fears that you have around receiving the thing you want. That's the main thing. And when you are energetically open and especially when you love the work you do and you are excited about sharing that with others with your clients that's really maybe 80% of the work and then the practical things to attract clients i strongly believe that you have to do the things you love to do in your marketing as well so what i love is writing and speaking. So those are the cornerstones of my marketing. And especially for writing, I mean, I can write whenever I want. It takes time, but there's no interaction involved. So I get energy from it. I can write always, anytime, whenever. And speaking is something I love as well. So I have my own podcast and I can record that whenever I want. And you are interviewing me now. And I love that. I love the interaction. I love getting to know you. And and as long as I make sure that I make no more than four appointments per week, I'm good. That's really the basis of my marketing. And that's how I attract all my clients. It doesn't have to be complicated. Nope. <laughs> and, nope. That's, and that's what I love about how you bring it. It's all about knowing what you love, knowing yourself, first of all, what is really yes. blocking you. What is, it might not be the fact that you're introvert, but it might be the fact that just in general, you don't like to be on your computer or mm-hmm. that you want more time with your kids or that you just want to travel. It can be many things, right? Yes. And knowing why it's important for you to know, knowing what you want is, I think, the first thing, what you really want from this. And I think you explained it so well with the way you actually looked at your calendar and then translated that into simple actions. For you, it's about me time, alone time. What did that mean for your schedule? And what were your non-negotiables in your schedule? And from there, looking at what you love to do and how you can align that with your marketing strategies is really great. I love that. So, and there is something that you talked about that I want to spend a little bit more time because I truly believe in that. And I feel like we don't talk about this enough. And I, through the slow challenge, what I've been trying to do is to bring in this aspect more is Mm -hmm. this energy. You talked about 
energy. Yes. And when I read your book, by the way, you know, at Nation, you need to, to read this book. It's so good. I just loved it <laughs> because I felt it was so easy to read in like maybe two hours. I finished the book and I'm a slow reader. I actually launched the slow challenge to embrace my slow hermit. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is the first time I read a book so quickly. So there's one thing that I realized is the mindset of how we approach things. And sometimes it's not always about doing less, but how we do things and in which attitude we are approaching them. Yes. And in one of the things that you mentioned in this book is like, are you sure you want to do this? And if not, then don't do it. But then if you really need to do it, then figure out who you can delegate. And if you can't delegate at some point, you need to do it. So I love the story with the dentist that you mentioned in the book. Mm. Could you yeah. continue? I think you know where I'm going uh, around this whole thing about how to approach our attitude when we need to do something. Yes. Often when there's something that we need to do, and again, you know, it's really important to check if you really need to do it. Because so often people have all these things that they think they should do and must do. And that's just not always true. So really check that. And then if it's something that really needs to be done, then check if it needs to be done by you or by someone else. And then there will always be things left that really need to be done and that really can only be done by you and that maybe you don't feel like. For me, it's going to the, to the dentist. I don't like it. I'm a bit scared of the dentist. And also things having to do with my administration, doing my admin. Even though I have a bookkeeper, I still have to do a couple of things myself. I don't like that either. And now what often happens is when there's something you have to do and you don't want to do it, is that you resist it. I think, I don't want to do it. And then you start procrastinating and you, you focus on how you hate it. And when you do that, it costs you so much energy, so much. And so the thing you cannot change is that there's this thing that needs to be done, whether it's going to the dentist or doing your admin or whatever it is for you it needs to be done. You have to do it. You don't want to do it. Of course, I could say I'm not going to the dentist, but I really don't want my teeth to just rot out of my mouth one day, you know, so I'm going, I'm, I make the decision to go. That is the thing that I cannot change. But there's one thing that I and everyone can always change and that I have 100% control over. And that is the attitude I have towards the thing I'm doing. I can either resist it. And by the way, sometimes you can also resist the things that are good for you and that you want to do. You can resist those as well. I think everyone recognizes that as well. So what are you going to do? Are you continue to resist it or are you going to embrace? Might be too big of a step to do that at the beginning, but at least you can accept it. You can stop fighting it and you can say, okay, I don't like it. Okay. And I'm doing it anyway. I'm just, I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to do it. And that makes all the difference in the world because what costs you the most energy and what makes you feel really bad is your resistance towards something. And the moment you accept it and accepting it, something does not mean that you like it. It means that you accept that this thing that you 
have to do is hear that you accept that you don't like it, that you accept that maybe it scares you. You accept it all and then you do it. Sounds, it's really simple in theory. In practice, it's not always that easy. But when you practice this, Mm -hmm. you will notice how much time it saves. And there's another benefit. The moment you stop resisting in general, you open up more. You open up to more of your creativity, to more joy, to more life, to your intuition. You just, you open up. Everything becomes brighter and better when you stop resisting anything and everything. I love that. I love that so, so much. And I think this whole idea of proactively talking to our subconscious, that's what it Mm -hmm. is about. And realizing that it's our subconscious that's guiding our actions and our attitude and just talking to our subconscious, say, hey, I don't like it, but it's okay. I'm not going to resist it. And that just, I think just by hearing it, we feel the relief here, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and, and it's so good. And which leads me to that bigger thing that I wanted really to talk to you about and selfishly mm-hmm. and then for our listeners as well. There's one thing that, and I think that's what excited me most about the book. I've been on my own personal transformation journey and been really paying attention with my clients. And I often say, you know, I, I deliver marketing and I sell marketing, but what I'm actually doing is more mindset work through the marketing. It's my tool. And there's one thing yeah. that I see in common. I'm just going to share with you my framework. And I could see that coming out of your book uh, as well. We talked a lot about doing. And when we understand that transformation and success and business growth in, in any area of our lives in general, it's not about doing first. Doing is the last mm-hmm. piece of the journey. You see, and you yeah. said something I always say to my clients, every time somebody has a business idea or new product idea, they get stuck in figuring out the how, how I'm going to do this instead of understanding first what they want to do and opening up their energy to welcome whatever will happen, right? I love yes. when you talked about that. And um, my, I'm going to get to my question because basically for me, it's about first being then trusting and then doing. And I want to talk about this because I can see we have very similar outlook on that about the Mm -hmm. being first. So let's just be before we start doing. And I would love you to to talk about that idea that you mentioned in the book about the being, and then I'll ask you my question. Yes, really everything you want to create or change or manifest, whatever you want to call it in the outer world, it always starts on the inside. You have to shift and change something on the inside. And the moment you are clear and aligned, meaning there's no friction between what you feel, what you want, what you think, and what you do, when that's all in one line, then your outer world falls into place and you will receive inspiration for things, the actions that you need to take. You will receive the inspiration the moment you need to take these actions. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to figure anything out. And the the way to reach that alignment, the way to create that inner clarity is by focusing, as you said, on being. Mm. And that is not something that we are taught in this world. 
No. Just not. We are taught that we have to do things. If you want to mm-hmm. achieve something, you have to work for it. If you have a goal, you have to know how to achieve it. Because if you cannot see the road towards your goal, you cannot achieve it. And the first question everyone asks when they want something is, how can I get it? That is always the first question. Exactly. And even I noticed that sometimes that is still my first question as well. And what I learned myself to do, because what most people do is the moment they think, how can I achieve this? Or how can I do this? Or how can I solve this? Or how can I get this? Then the word how triggers in them the thinking process. Now they start to try to think their way to the solution. And what I did was to train myself to know that the moment I ask the question, how, I remind myself, the the word how now for me is a reminder that, oh, wait a minute, I need to turn inwards Mm -hmm. because I moved away from my intuition. I moved away from this moment, I'm thinking about something in the future that is not here yet. And that is why I'm asking the question, how? So the fact that I'm asking how I can do something means that the thing I have to do now is to get quiet Mm -hmm. and turn inwards. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. And actually, I will summarize what you're saying with one sentence that I picked from your book that I loved. And it's, if you want to create something new, you need to change you. Be that person now. So I love this so much, like being that person. So I think the being is about first asking, who do you need to be to create the result you want to achieve? So I think the first work to do is that inner work of being that person. And then the next step, and that's where I see a lot of parallels, that I call trusting. And I think in in your case, it's about intuition, listening to your intuition to figure out the how and then doing it, right? But one thing that I know that when I work with my clients about that being, I often hear, yeah, but that's faking it until you make it. So for those who heard that expression, I'm curious to know what you would answer to those who would say, oh, but that's faking it. I believe that you are not faking it. I believe that you are tapping into an aspect of yourself that is already present. So when I decided to turn myself from a crappy hermit into a happy hermit, I asked myself, how does the happy hermit feel? I could just feel in my body this sense of freedom. And so that was a feeling that I instantly recognized. And then I asked myself, how and who do I need to be to actually turn myself into a happy hermit. And then I came up with things like, well, okay, I need to really pay attention before I make an appointment. If it's really a yes or a no, I need to double check. I need to have the courage to stick to the schedule I came up with. I need to be decisive when it comes to this or that. And then courage is something I already have. Everyone has courage available in their repertoire of everything they have inside of them. And decisiveness, I have that as well. So, and the same goes for everyone. Like, let's say that someone's listening now and who thinks, well, I would like to be a successful public speaker and they can ask themselves, okay, so how will it feel for me 
when I imagine that I already am that public speaker and then a feeling comes up and then you put a word to that feeling, you remember that feeling and you can tap into that energy of that feeling. And then you can ask yourself, how do I need to be? What qualities do I need to be a confident, successful public speaker? Well, self-confidence and you need courage, whatever you can come up with. You already have that. So you don't have to fake it, but you decide that you will focus on the self-confidence that you already have. Even if you feel like you only have 1% self-confidence and 99% fear, focus on that 1%. So all you do is you shift your perspective to the qualities that you need to achieve something, the qualities that you already have. And you stop looking at the qualities that you also possess, but that aren't helpful. So you stop focusing on your fears and on Mm. your doubts and on your procrastination and on your whatever. We all have that inside of us as well. So you're not faking it. You are simply tapping into the person you already are. Exactly. And you talked about something which leads me to my second point on saying I have this three-step process, being, trusting, and doing. You mentioned now something that for me is key in trusting. And I think you, in your words, it's like listening to your intuition. Yes. And that's a big part as well of the process of mm-hmm. building a business that fits to our own needs is listening to yes. our intuition. And here's what I notice with myself and as well when I work with my clients, we confuse listening to our intuition sometimes with listening to our fears. Yes. Right. And so how would you help um, find that difference between, okay, if I'm feeling that way, it's coming from a place of fear versus it's my intuition that's telling me that's not the right thing for me. Well, that's a really good question because it can absolutely be difficult sometimes to, to be sure. So there are a couple of things that tell you that it's your intuition. The first thing is that your intuition, it's always simple. It's always simple. It's an idea like, well, make that call or send that email or read that book or, you know, it's always simple. It's always actionable. It's always doable. Fear, on the other hand, is often complicated. Hmm. When it comes from your intuition, it's also always friendly or neutral. Mm -hmm. When it comes from fear, there's often judgment or criticism. You really should do this now or else this will go wrong. That is always fear. When it sounds like that, always fear, never intuition. When it makes you feel heavier, it's not your intuition. When it makes you feel lighter, it's your intuition. However, that's why you need to practice and really pay attention to what you feel because what often happens is that your intuition brings you an idea. It makes you feel lighter for a split second and then your fears kick in. And when you don't pay attention, you miss that first moment of excitement. So it's a matter of practicing. And finally, don't make a big deal out of it. Because I see in my own clients, I can sometimes see that they really can get stuck in, well, yeah, I don't know. Is this my fear? Is it my intuition? I don't know. And then (laughs) I can always help them figure it out. But you know, when they're trying to figure it out on their own, my advice to you is just make a decision and just act. And then you will Mm -hmm. see what happens. Two things can happen. Or you realize, oh yeah, it was my intuition after all. Well, great. Now pay attention. How did you know? What did you notice? 
Or you can find out, I guess it was not my intuition after all. Okay, cool. No big deal. You just course correct and you learn from it. So you ask yourself, what made me think that it was my intuition? Did I really not know that it was my fear? Did I really miss all the signs or were the signs there and did I overrule them? And most of the time you will see when you look back that you overruled your intuition. And then you can ask yourself, why did I do that? And then you will realize the fears that made you overrule your intuition. And then the next time, for example, when it has to do with marketing or getting clients and listening to your intuition in that area, that's often very difficult for people because it is connected to getting clients, because it is connected to making money and because that can trigger all kinds of financial stresses and fears. So when you know that from yourself, when you know that that is something that you can feel uncertain about, then you can pay attention to that. And you can ask yourself, if I trust it, let's say you get an idea for your marketing and it feels good, but then your fears kick in and you're not sure, is it fear, is it intuition? And you know that financial stress or money is something that you have fears around, then you can ask yourself, if I trusted that money was no issue and it was all sorted and the money is just there, if I fully trusted that, what would I do then? And then you will know the answer if it's your intuition or not. I love that so much. I love that. And when you say that, you know, the intuition really comes from a place of calm, whereas fear is more agitated. And on top of what you said, what I think I can share from my experience is to actually quiet the mind Mm -hmm. and to whenever we have to make a decision at some point to take a step back. And for me, it's meditation or going for a walk for somebody else might be something else, but just quieting the mind so that we can listen to that intuition that comes back when all the fears are quiet somehow. But um, it's perfect for me. to circle back to the initial question, if you realize, we did a great yes. job here, right? <laughs> Which was, <laughs> when is it that we are listening to our intuition versus when we're actually finding excuses to not do something? I think at the end of the day, we answer that question, but do you want to complete in any way? Is there anything you'd like to answer or to add to that? I think we answered the question, but I do want to add something to it. When you notice that you are finding excuses or you're uh, procrastinating, the moment you notice that, don't be harsh to yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't beat yourself up and don't get mad at yourself because that's what people often do. Mm -hmm. And their inner self-talk goes something like, oh, and I shouldn't be procrastinating. I know I shouldn't and I'm doing it and I'm so stupid and I should get going. And why am I doing that? And if I stopped procrastinating, I could have done this thing already. And they're so full of judgment and anger and harshness. Let that go. Please just observe like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm procrastinating. Yeah, okay. Well, take a deep breath. So what am I going to do about it now? Just don't beat yourself up. Just don't. There's no need to do that. You know, you are always doing the best you can. Fears and doubts are part of the human condition. We all experience them. 
We all procrastinate sometimes. We all do stupid things sometimes. We all sometimes know what we should do, but then we don't do it. It happens to all of us. So what? It's much easier to change it from softness and kindness and from observing and noticing like, okay, yeah, why am I doing this? I could be doing something different. That is so much more effective and so much better than beating yourself up. So give yourself some slack. Don't make a big deal out of things. And if you think you're doing the right thing and and then it turns out that it was the wrong thing and you listen to your fear instead of your intuition, so what? Just make a new decision. Course correct. No big deal. No big deal. What a wonderful message to end with. I think this is so important to to learn to also love ourselves and accept ourselves Mm -hmm. as we are so that we can build the business that we want and that is aligned with our lifestyle and our needs. And I think this is such a powerful thing. So thank you so much for this great inspiration. I loved it. And before we say goodbye, tell us more about how you help your clients and what you do. Where's the best place to find you? Um, The best place to find me is on yourwayornoway.com yourwayornoway.com. That link brings you directly to my website. And there you can find an overview of uh, my masterclasses and programs. You can find the link to my private coaching there and you can find all my books there, plus my blogs, if you just would like to read some more and um, my podcast. So you can find really everything there is to know about me. You can find it there. Almost everything there is to know about me. <laughs> I love it. And we also have this great ebook about how to make sure to be yourself. So uh, we will link it into the show notes of this episode, as well as all the information to find Brigitte Nomad Nation. To find all this information, you go to tandemnomads.com slash 278. Thank you so much. This was so much fun to do this with you. I really appreciated all your insights. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everyone who was listening for listening to this. So true, very much. Yeah, Nemad Nation, we loved having you here today with us. And I look forward to meeting you in the next episode. In the meantime, stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.